Who's wrong and who's wronger? In this corner, followed by Millions James, the exploding unicorn, Breakwell. And in that corner, ignored by Millions, Steve Dash, Rinko Lieber. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of 10 Minutes to Say... Oh, wait a minute. No, that's the other podcast, the one that people actually pay attention to. This is Wrong and Wronger, where James and I spit into a hurricane and just see what ends up happening, and largely it is nothing, but we still come back every week to entertain Judy P. I am Steve Olivas, Dr. Steve, that wild and zany guy, and he is... He's James. Anyway, James, man, how are you doing today? I am curious. So that other podcast yeah. that people actually listen to, did you yeah. actually post it this week? Oh, uh, <laughs> yes, I did. All right. Yes, I H- did. How late? Yeah. Uh, I don't know, about a half hour after we're done here. Okay, okay. So the future tense, you will post it someday at some point. That's good to know. The people who tune in bright and early to re- listen to it Monday morning can expect it maybe several days later, maybe not at all, because that's the kind of consistency and professionalism we bring to the podcast industry. Yeah, we're like all the cable companies and the like satellite TV companies and all the phone companies and all the airlines like we can treat our customers any way we want and they'll still keep coming back for more. Well, speaking of coming in late, uh, there have been some late celebrations in my neighborhood. I don't know about yours, but around here, the 4th of July does not end on the 4th. It's like a whole season. It starts a couple weeks before the 4th of July. It runs a couple weeks after the 4th of July. In fact, (laughs) I think that's one of the reasons you're moving to never have contact with other human beings again. So I say today we talk about the merits of setting off your own fireworks, especially early and late. Uh, a, what a heck of a segue you just made there, James Breakwell. It did not go unnoticed nor underappreciated <laughs> by me. And two, man, I can't tell you how annoying fireworks are. or it, It's more the cracker part of the fireworks. Like, uh, I don't mind all of the dazzling display of lights in the sky, but the affiliated noise, uh, A, it makes our dog crazy, but B, it makes it impossible to sleep because they're random and unpredictable and sharp. I don't like it, James. Yeah, now, you know what? I say let people do their own thing. It doesn't bother me, but I could sleep through a war. Like, it really, it just doesn't phase <laughs> me. But on on Twitter and on social media, like, the, the, the trend is definitely anti-fireworks. Everybody hops on there, although they're not, they're not even anti-late and early fireworks. They're one step beyond that. They're like, why are you setting these off at all? They either, you know, oh. are not fans of America in general, which, you know, is a large part of the internet anyway, or they just are like... <laughs> You're frightening the dogs, and you do. It's like, come on, can the dude, slid that right. The in dogs there. can okay. take a day off, or you know, you're scar, you're scaring the veterans, you're scaring every like they just they come down on it so hard. And I say on the Fourth of July, you know what, you're not going to stop it. Before and after, yeah, let's let's tidy up a little bit. But I'm not nearly as anti-firework as you are. So I guess I, I need to just ask: Have you always hated fun, or is this a more recent development? 
James, if I weren't a big fan of torture and pain and self-inflicted wounds, I wouldn't be doing this podcast <laughs> with you again and again for several years. If I wanted something fun in my life, I certainly would pick somebody who's a lot more entertaining and frankly better looking than you. But I think the reason that nobody on Twitter or social media is arguing in favor of fireworks uh, outside of the 4th of July is because obviously we're dealing with a segment of the population that cannot read nor write. <laughs> so all of the intelligent people who went to grade school and learned the rules of grammar and syntax and elocution are able to put their thoughts on social media and express to everybody a general disdain for a nuisance. You know, I kind of view fireworks like I view every other issue. If you are, if you want to take the risk, that's on you. Uh, I, I like to watch them from a very, very safe distance. And if you get hurt over there, that just adds to the entertainment value. Uh, with that being said, uh, uh, we went over to a friend's house for 4th of July. We did not see the fireworks. And uh, we did have sparklers, though. Somebody brought some sparklers. You know, supposed to be the, mm. the lowest key of all the fireworks. And out of yep. my four kids, three suffered some kind of injury. Uh, one kid, a sparkler yeah, one injury? kid decided to do sparklers <laughs> barefoot. And we weren't paying attention. She just woken up from a nap and she stepped on one and burned herself. One burned her Ooh. finger. One burned a hole in her shoe. And one was completely Ooh. uninjured and begged us to take home all of the unused uh, sparklers. To which we said no. <laughs> Actually, the next day I was cooking bacon on the uh, gas stovetop with the open flame and looked over yeah. and realized there were six boxes of sparklers sitting a few inches away. So I nearly died in a sparkler-related accident. <laughs> sparklers might be low-key and lame, but they are far, far from safe. And next year we will probably just do none of the above. But for everybody who doesn't love their children and doesn't care if they live through the night, I say let them set off the fireworks. It's just natural selection and action. You know, the fire department would have had no trouble finding your smoking body if you would have ignited those six boxes of sparklers. I, I know. What, what, a, what a way to go. Just in a dazzle of light. I, I, would, I would finally be the star that you always say I'm not. I would prove you wrong one final time. I'd be a supernova going out. But you would sort of get used to a lot of heat and flame before the afterlife. So I guess it would prepare you that way, too. Yeah, you know what? I yeah, I know where I'm going. I have no problem with it. I just got to be as spectacular <laughs> as I can. I'll, I'll live tweet from hell. Who cares? <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. There's your next book title. I love it. <laughs> I'm sure they. Have, I'm sure they have great Wi-Fi down there. Uh, the the ones. It, the thing that blows my mind about fireworks is how expensive they are. Like especially people who set off the oh. big ones that you can see several blocks or even several miles away. It's like, oh, there yeah. went a couple hundred bucks right there. There goes a couple hundred more bucks. Like, who has the money to spend on that? And I think generally it's the people who don't have the money to spend on that that do spend the money on that. Because if you have enough sense to. Oh, oh, I'm, yeah, yeah. Same people buy lottery tickets. Yes. Hey. Yes. I, I buy lottery tickets, and when I win, yeah, I'm, no, not, I'm, I'm not sharing any of it with you. Trust me. I will. I will just disappear <laughs> after years of talking about ending this podcast. I will suddenly actually end this podcast, having replaced the zero dollars I earn here with millions of dollars outside. Because that's huh. that's what it would take me to take to drag me away from this. Apparently. 
Wow. Well, apparently, yeah. Your daughter's story did remind me of my got burned by a sparkler story. And I was roughly the age of at least one of your daughters. I think I was six. Okay. But uh, same thing. Sparkler burned down and the tip was glowing. And uh, Dr. Steve, not exactly the brightest kid. Like, if it weren't for modern medicine, Darwin's theory would have wiped out my gene pool back <laughs> then. But I remember I grabbed the end of the sparkler you know, just to see. Mm -hmm. And uh, I got like a bad burn on my forefinger. I don't remember which hand it was, but I remember I couldn't sleep that night because it was burning so bad. My grandma, I was staying at my grandma's house and she put like a wet washcloth in a Ziploc baggie and I slept with my hand touching that wet cloth all night just to keep it cool. It was bad times. Yeah. The only other firework related story I have doesn't have anything to do with me risking death. Unless you consider the State of the Union these days, but I did call the cops one time because of fireworks, and I opened the conversation with the dispatcher, the operator, whatever they're called, and I said, look, I don't want to be that guy, and I'm not that guy, but... <laughs> and then I subsequently became that guy, and the phrase, I gotta go to work tomorrow, and so does half this damn neighborhood, did come into the conversation, and... Uh, Almost, well, probably within 10 minutes, the fireworks stopped. So I'm hoping the cops showed up and just opened fire with a taser and put everyone in handcuffs and dragged them off. Yeah, it's 100% a coincidence. They just ran out of fireworks. Either that or they were <laughs> saving up and aiming them at your window for their big grand finale. <laughs> my favorite fireworks yeah. story, and the closest I came to death with them, is we were out at my aunt and uncle's farm. And uh, it was the big family gathering for 4th of July, and some of the cousins or aunts and uncles, somebody had amassed, uh, you know, n not like the big, big fireworks, but the mid-tier fireworks, your bottle rockets and things like that. And they were setting mm -hmm. them off for all the younger cousins, and there were probably 50 of us sitting there watching them. And, uh, you know, as with anything else, made overseas for half a penny an ounce or whatever. I mean, the, the quality was not always the best. So in a couple of them, the fuser failed the light. And they had a campfire right. going over there for reasons that are unknown. And rather than dumping the duds, quote unquote duds, in a bucket of water, they tossed them in the campfire. Where they proceeded to ignite and fire into the crowd. As we, Randomly. Yeah, yeah. yeah just kind of whatever angle they wanted. As we all dove and ran for cover. I only had one small child at the time, and you know Lola's going to tell some lies about me running and saving myself while she struggled out of there with the baby. But I'm sure I heroically threw myself ah. over her like I was in the bodyguard, you know, just to, the, sure. <laughs> yeah, I do with the Kevin sure. Costner and Whitney Houston. I that totally me. That is exactly how I would have handled that situation. And don't let anyone tell you otherwise. Fairly certain that movie came out in 1987 or 89. I, I'm surprised you even knew the reference. Friends. I watched it on TV as a kid. And for some reason, it's one of the few movies that stuck <laughs> with me. I, I don't even remember. I, you, the only thing I remember that mo about that movie is he gets shot. And then, like, after he gets shot, they open the card to see who won the award. And uh, I, I, isn't that how it ends? I, I could be wrong. James, I watch dude movies. I have no idea. You know every single Kevin Costner movie. <laughs> Don't even lie to me. <laughs> well, Tin Cup, maybe. Waterworld, maybe. The Bodyguard, hell Waterworld? No, that's for chicks. What, you chose... I like Waterworld. <laughs> 
Okay, I have, for the record, heard that Waterworld is not as bad as people say. I have not ventured down that road. I did Dances with Wolves, though. Dances with Wolves was a great movie, Uh, and and I won't hear otherwise. Definitely not a chick movie or a dude movie. It's an everybody movie, just like The Bodyguard, because based on the 10 seconds, I remember from watching that movie when I was eight— uh, you know, sure. a guy got shot. So sure. clearly, you know, very masculine. Yeah, on fried green tomatoes, Sophie's wedding, uh, don't, don't sense and sensibility. How was that I, one, James? Did you enjoy that? I only recognized one of those fried green tomatoes. The English patient. Ooh, I'll bet you were just melt. Ooh, the notebook. Oh my God. You know what? I did see the notebook. My wife was watching it on TV. <laughs> One of those times where, you know, when you watch a movie on TV, instead of being like an hour and a half movie, it's like a nine-hour movie with commercial breaks. So I walked through the room when it was on, and in like 10 seconds, I was like, oh, I bet that lady who can't remember anything is his wife, and he's reading it back to her. Like, okay, I solved the movie. I solved the movie in 10 seconds, and then I walked away. I was good. I knew exactly where everything was going. So how that movie devastates people like you, I'll never know, but I am positive. You, I am positive, and Mrs. Ali said hey tonight we're not going to go out and enjoy fireworks like red-blooded americans we're going to stay in and watch the notebook (laughs) that you would sit down there and watch that with her and then call the cops and complain when the fireworks interfered with your notebook viewing a again way to tie the two last threads together (laughs) that was masterful and B, Mrs. Steve is actually more scrutinizing of movies than I am. Ooh. Like, uh, there's a range of movies I'll enjoy. She has the problem that most, I think, smart people have, which you just kind of alluded to with The Notebook. She'll figure out the movie 14 seconds after, like, they name who the actors are at the beginning. And then she's disappointed and irritated the rest of the way. <laughs> and I say to her, why don't you just enjoy the movie? And she can't do it. She can't do it. So I, because I can't figure things out, just sit back like a dog with his belly getting rubbed and enjoy the movie all the way through. So the greatest thing my wife and I ever did was after subscribing to 9,000 different streaming services with 10 billion (laughs) movies, is we gave ourselves permission to give up on a movie. Because if you have to watch that movie all the way through for 90 or 120 minutes, like that's a huge commitment. You got to spend an hour picking out that movie. But if you're not afraid to cut and run like three minutes in, you can watch anything. You just throw it up there. Let's just see how this goes. Two minutes, five minutes, 10 minutes, 20 minutes, half an hour in. We'll we'll just jump out of it. The other day we had one that was kind of sort of okay, but we just fast forward to the end to see how it it ended and ended exactly as we predicted. (laughs) It's the greatest feeling in the world. It's like, I didn't pay for this. I mean, you know, paid for the streaming service, but you know, we, we, we pushed that out of our minds because we're, we're one step removed from paying that cost. It's like, Hey, this is totally worth it. We can watch the whole thing. We can bail. We can fall asleep in the middle of it and not feel bad. That is the way to live life. How do you do that? I, that would make me mental. You, well, I mean, okay, here's, here's the one that, would, that, that blows my mind. Apparently, there okay. are some people who read magazines cover to cover. Like, if there's a story on page 65, or I guess magazines are smaller now because print journalism is dying. So if, if there's a, a story on page 10 <laughs> that they want to read, they don't read, they don't start at page 10. They like read through the table of contents, they read through the editor's introduction, they read through the ads. They read the whole thing cover to cover like a book. Like, these monsters exist. Are you one of those? No, I would uh, sort of slide my finger down the table of contents and find an article or two or a column or two that I'm interested in. Even magazines that sort of are in my wheelhouse, like Sports Illustrated or 
when I was a marathon runner, I'd read Runner's World. But not everything appeals to me. Like, uh, there's articles in Sports Illustrated about sports I don't care about, and I just skip those and go to the ones I do. So I can't imagine reading everything. Who wants to know that much? So how is it different, then, than if you start watching a movie and it's not for you, you just you just bail out of there? Because, James, I am a believer in people. <laughs> and so when I watch the story, I connect with the characters and I want to know the path that they walk to reach. Obviously, the end is in probably 80% of movies remarkably predictable. You know that Vin Diesel is not going to die in Fast and Furious 9. As much as you would like to believe it could happen and The Rock takes him out, I'm fairly certain it ain't going to happen. That, that we know how it's going to end. Now, the way to get there is going to be dazzling and dizzying. Not every movie has that razzle-dazzle, but I am curious about the path to get from A to B. Once Mrs. Steve figures out B, she has no interest in the path and is actually angry at A. So that's probably the way you and she are wired, and I don't understand that. It's like, okay... Let me give you one, James Breakwell. Okay. If you begin reading a novel, and I know you're ADD generation who can't watch a movie all the way through, you'll probably flip the channels on the novel like it's a comic book. But do you, if you are 80 pages into a novel, can you just bail on the thing and never return? I can. So you have to remember how. Oh my God! You have to remember how many books I read, though. So I do audiobooks. Like today, I did so, so, so much laundry. And the whole time, I was just, you know, streaming a book <laughs> at triple speed. And um, if, if there's a book that, that is just stupid, it's not teaching me something, or I know it's wrong, I get out of there. So, you know, I do the carnivore diet, do all this stuff, improve my health and stuff. And so if I, I pick a nutrition book and it starts out telling me that, me that meat is going to kill me, like, I'm not going to spend three hours listening to them give me wrong information, so I'll get out of there. And that's generally the only thing, if they do something that I know is definitely wrong, if I know I'm going to be dumber by listening to something, then I stop. <laughs> and uh, I don't really listen to a ton of fiction, so I don't run into that as much. But I have. There, ah. there have been fiction books I clicked off before just because I wasn't feeling it. But in general, uh, the triple speed thing kind of saves me. Because if it's bad, but it's kind of semi-passable, you can usually just suffer through it and just pay a little bit less attention. <laughs> But if you were, all right, so I've done the same thing with nonfiction books. Like, uh, you can't always tell by the description if it's going to be an apt read or not. Yeah. But with fiction, once you're invested, don't you just kind of power your way through just because you want to know how it goes? I mean, that's the thing, though. If you can bail, you're not invested. So by definition, they failed. You know, I will say in general, I'm more likely to finish fiction than nonfiction, especially if it's by. So generally the fiction books I pick, it's because it's like an author I follow on Twitter or know somehow. Uh, otherwise, I do all nonfiction. So in that case, I listen. And if it's bad, it just makes me feel better about myself. It's like they're not bad better than me i can i can match up to this this is okay so i guess it, it would take a lot to make me bail on fiction on nonfiction, i'm much more likely to bail uh, i don't do it too often though because then it messes up my my uh, completion of sense where i go through and i say well i listen to x number of books well i can say i opened that number of books but how many did i actually finish it it mars my stats but yeah i i would yeah, say yeah, yeah. i would say one out of 50 or one out of 100 books i bail on as but magazines magazines i bail on everything i i signed up for uh, for a certain men's fashion magazine because it was like $10 for two years. And I was like, whatever. I yeah. obviously need some fashion pointers. And I got the magazine and the magazine is is awful. Like all their fashion <laughs> tips, like you go through and like, here's our hot buys for the year. Pants, 
$2,000. Like what? Where do you go to find $2,000 pants? I cannot even fathom the prices they list. So I go to that page wow. and I laugh at the absurd prices. And then there's cologne samples and I smell the cologne samples and I close it and throw away the magazine. Like that is, that has been my involvement with this men's fashion magazine. Uh, so yeah, I'm definitely not a completionist there. Do, do you rub that cologne sample on parts of you that could potentially pay off later? I do not. I sniff it and Ooh. say that smells like church incense. And then my wife smells it <laughs> and says it smells like gasoline. And then we throw it away. Wow. Wow. Oh, you're both the hopeless romantics. Yes. Absolutely. All right. I, I do think, I, I think all cologne does kind of smell like church incense. And that is not a smell you want to go to. It smells like, it smells like death and obligation. It's not, it's not going to bring up good memories. Yeah. Yeah. It smells like old women and angst. Yeah. But uh, the last completion thing I wanted to ask you about, because my sense of completion is also challenged if I don't eat a whole fill in the blank. Like, could you uh, eat like a half a piece of pizza and throw the rest away or like a half a donut? I know neither of us eat that anymore, but like back when you were, would you be able to just scrape that off into the garbage and say, moving on? I can't eat half of anything ever. And it doesn't have to do with being a completionist. It has to be the fact that I don't think the hunger hormone works correctly in my body. Like people are like, <laughs> I'm so stuffed. I can't finish this. Like, are you lying? Is this a real thing? I, I cannot even fathom. Like, like pizza. You can literally eat an infinite quantity of pizza. You cannot convince yes. me there is a point at which you become full of pizza. Like I could sit down. Oh, I know for you. a fact I could finish a whole pizza. And if you brought it a second pizza it would hurt but i bet i could finish that second pizza too <laughs> there would be pain later but i would definitely get it down my throat now which is why i had to stop eating those things actually so even though cheese kind of fits into the whole carnivore diet thing i had to finally stop eating cheese because the other weekend uh -oh. we went down to wine country and we just brought a ton of cheese with us and i sit there and i could just eat infinite cheese and you can't you can't consume twenty thousand calories in a sitting and not gain weight and afterwards it's like i can't do this and i was like you know, my daughter i was telling about it later she's like why don't you just eat one piece of cheese it's like that's not how it works if i eat one piece of cheese i'm going Did to you eat grab her by the shoulders <laughs> and say that's not how it works yeah if you're if you if you start on the cheese unless that's literally the only cheese if that's only the only cheese in the house then i'm just gonna be upset like that was a tease like what was that you gave me a slight yeah, bit of yeah. cheese no that's uh definitely Definitely and if there's yeah. a, a larger right. quantity of cheese, I will just eat all of the cheese. That is that is the portion of cheese is all of it. There's no there's no measurement. There's no size. There's no gram weight. It is all of it. So I've recently had to cut out that from my diet, and I you know try to stick Ooh. to ground beef and meat because with that like you know you cook so much, and then if you want more. You have to go cook more. Like there's a psychological yeah. barrier. I cannot eat infinite yeah. beef, and that's what stops me yeah. from eating an entire cow every day. Wow. Infinite cheese. I, I love that phrasing, too. We'll, we'll make that a chapter in your book. Yeah, there you go. The chapter in my book for tweeting from hell. It all, it all runs together. But okay, let's get back to this completionist thing. Let's say you yeah. buy a bunch of fireworks and you don't have time to set them all off on the 4th of July. Should you... There's no such thing. What does that mean, no time? How is that possible? Maybe your kids get tired. Maybe the neighbor calls the cops on you. I don't know. I can envision that scenario. So you've got a big <laughs> box of fireworks you spend a couple hundred bucks on. You don't want to let it sit till next year because it could either get soggy and go bad or detonate in your broom closet. So you got to set them off. Is it not only fair that the completionist in you should finish that off, you know, in the days following the 4th of July? 
I don't know why the completionist in me is dormant or fallow on some issues, but fireworks is definitely one of them. And the only reason I say that is because we have had said box of fireworks that I think we actually moved from one house to the other. And we went to uh, uh, the uh, uh, a big 4th of July party this weekend and brought the box of fireworks with us. But we left too early to set them off because... Uh, it was uh, a fairly well-to-do person who was going to set off a, an S-ton of fireworks <laughs> that night. We wanted to join the festivities. But unfortunately, Dr. Steve might have been a little bit lit. So Mrs. Steve was a little bit irritated and wanted to get Dr. Steve home. And she was cold, and so we didn't stay. But we still have that box of fireworks. And that's all I'm going to say on that topic. You've got to learn to be more chill. So being too drunk for anything is the ideal way to enjoy <laughs> anything. That's the state, especially the 4th of July. I mean, it's made for that. So you just got to, you, you got, so like, I, I've learned that, you know, I, as I drink more, you know, I'm, I'm already an incredible, social, outgoing, loving person. And when I drink, oh, Jesus, all of God. those qualities are just amplified. So I've learned that if I want to escape detection from my wife, I just got to turn it down. You got to be very very chill, very mellow. You can't be the center of attention, even though you totally deserve to be, and everybody wants to see how <laughs> hilarious you are. You just got to calm it down a little bit, and then you can drink as much as you want, and she won't even notice. Also, if you're drinking and she's not, like that's the biggest mistake in the world. You get a, you get a designated driver. You never, ever, 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 ever drink when she's not drinking, unless she's pregnant, and that's a then you've got that, the, the built-in designated driver, but you're playing with fire there. You really are. It did come up that uh, when I challenged her to have a little nip also, she said that somebody has to drive. Mm -hmm. So I listen, I don't I don't know. I, 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 it's uh, <laughs> I'm not sure if we're ever going to get married. James, Appar but apparently they don't have Uber in Nashville. It's unfortunate. You should call uh, San Francisco and see if they can get them down there for you. <laughs> <laughs> this was uh, pretty far out of the city. This was at a rock star's house, and he's got some property, and a, he's got a really cool spread. How many more times are you going to say rock star in there? I tried not <laughs> to the first time, but you keep pushing. Uh, hey, hey, Steve, who'd you hang out with this weekend? Was there anybody famous in the music industry by chance? <laughs> <laughs> no, but I we ended up uh, like parked on the hillside next to one that hasn't been on my show yet. And uh, part of, you know, I'm a little chatty in real life, James. I know it's going to shock you. You might want to sit down because the room is spinning. But when I start drinking, I get a little chattier. And so, and long story short, he's coming on my show. We're going to record next week. Well, that is impressive. And clearly the alcohol helped you make that connection. So your wife was, was incorrect in this situation and should have, in fact, encouraged you to drink, drink more. Perhaps if she had let you keep going, we'd have more than five listeners for this show. And we would have landed some big guests for our thing, too. Who knows? You know, I keep, she gets irritated when I talk to everybody because she likes to be left alone. And I'm like, do you realize my talking has gotten us almost everything we have in life at this point? <laughs> that is depressing. <laughs> Including wrong and wronger. Wow. No wonder she resents you. It all makes sense now. The thing she hates about you the most is the one thing she can't get rid of. But we got to get rid of each other yes. for the time being, James. We're well over time and people have tuned us out long ago. But if you want to tune back in and find out if we can finally cut the show at a level that everyone is going to be satisfied with, which is probably negative numbers at this point. But tune in next week where we'll rejoin you with another topic that means nothing to nobody. And until then... 
This is Steve Olivas, Dr. Steve for James the Exploding Unicorn and the Fireworks Exploding Unicorn Breakwell saying thanks for watching, thanks for listening, eat all the cheese, and remember that two wrongs can make a right.